All right, cool. So obviously want to dig into the album, the tour, and get your opinion on a couple of things, but uh, no way to not talk about the uh, past couple of years we've all had to endure with this pandemic and being locked up at home and you seemingly making the best time of it and, and learning how to be an audio engineer, but kind of take me back to uh, March of 2020 and, and where were you guys at with Netherheaven at that point? Sure, so... Yeah, I think uh, we all picked up different hobbies during the the pandemic. Some people started crocheting and uh, other people just, uh, I don't know, got into uh, Dungeons and Dragons or whatever. So for me, I uh, definitely try to stay sane and uh, I, I worked on auto, uh, sorry, audio recording, engineering, uh, even video recording. I had to do some uh, different sort of collaborative things during the pandemic. Uh, so I, I had to kind of learn how to film myself and, and, and put out content that way. So yeah, I really just try to make the most of my time uh, with, with the time off that I had. And yeah, I, I definitely picked up a whole new set of skills while I was locked up. So in like March of 2020, had you written anything at that point? Because the Outer Ones was a fuse done. I mean, that tourist cycle seemed complete. So did you already have ideas sitting around or did the pandemic hit and then you went, oh, I guess now I'll start writing the record? No, I mean, for me, I'll start writing like the next day after the, the record comes out, if something hits me that inspires me. So uh, I had a bunch of different kind of ideas in various stages of completion, pretty much kind of ever since the outer ones came out. So I, I think we just had extra time to work on it, more time to, you know, kind of refine the songs. But yeah, no, I, I had a bunch of stuff kind of already ready to go. It's just that the, the pandemic obviously gave us that much more time to kind of refine things. Yeah, and then the million-dollar question, when do you know if you're ever done with it? I mean, at some point, you kind of have to just put it down and walk away too, right? Yeah, that that is tough, right? So, I mean, obviously, you can just kind of keep tinkering with things, and you know, sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. For me, I think being in charge of the whole process, uh, you know, it allowed me to maybe explore some different things in the studio. It didn't feel like, you know, working with the producer and being in someone else's space, like you're kind of under the gun, so... Um, I, try, I try to use that time to pour as much creativity into the recording process as possible. Um, so I try to be creative with like different harmonies on guitar parts, even just the writing of the solos. Normally, I kind of write the solos, you know, maybe like a few weeks or a month in advance before going in so that I can execute everything in the studio and not sort of you know, waste any time. But since I was at, at the, the helm of the producer's role here, I kind of just wrote the solos like in the studio and, and try to let the, the sounds of the record as they were developing uh, kind of inspire me. So, uh, yeah, definitely, you know, I think we got some different results since I was sort of in charge of the process this time around. But at the same time, there were other elements of the process that were, that were similar. So uh, definitely, I think, you know, I came out of it with a few new tricks up my sleeve, put it that way. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned the the Solomon because that was something I was going to bring up. Most people are either kind of like one take Jake and in and out with it or, or writing them down, but you kind of already answered that question. Normally you do write them down, but you let them breathe a little bit more this time around. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess normally I come in with the solos sort of, I don't know, 90, 95% there, and then I just kind of execute them. On this go, I had uh, you know, 0% of them written uh, and just, just kind of let, let the tape roll. And I tried out different things, some things I liked, some things I didn't like. And then, you know, I kind of went back and kind of refined it as I was 
recording it, but it was kind of a different process. And I think it gave it that, like, it was a different type of inspiration, I guess, when I was, when I was doing it sort of in real time in the studio. And I was really happy with the results of how everything came out. Um, you know, of course, like, you know, I got to let it marinate. I might come back to it the next day and like listen to it with a fresh set of ears and say like, okay, maybe this part could be executed a little bit better. Let me try something different there. But, you know, I think I basically gave myself like a week or so of like pre-production for like writing and recording the solo. So I was like, for that week, I was just nothing but just take after take and coming up with different ideas and, and trying to, uh, yeah, trying to let the, uh, the music speak to me, uh, you know, in a different way. Interesting, interesting. But I imagine the the toughest part and the hardest part of being your own engineer would be vocals, right? Like having your, no, that wasn't good enough. You got to redo it again, dude. Like telling yourself when you've hit that right note, you know what I mean? Like when you've got the take that you want. Yeah, for me, like vocals is a little bit different, I guess. Like, you know, we're, we're not doing like melodic vocals. It's more just like heavy. So I think once I kind of find my tone and hit my stride, you know, I might do like a couple lines a, a few times but to me like it's all about the tone and the and the attitude that's much more like i'll kind of lay down like one or two takes and just kind of pick the best one that i like and then maybe go back in and do some overdubs here or there afterwards but the the, the vocals it was the, the the stressful part was like because i was tracking myself you know making sure the levels were right it's a little bit of a different process when i'm tracking guitars like i'm going kind of direct and doing a lot of it like kind of in the box so to speak and then i send out the guitar tracks to get like reamped by by Jens Bogren, who makes and master the record. With the yeah, with the vocals, it's like you kind of have to make sure like everything that's being captured is at the right level. So a little stressful, but like I said, once I kind of set everything and had everything dialed in and, and had my voice kind of warmed up and I, I knew how much heat was going to be coming off of the, the, the vocal tracks, I knew how to kind of how to dial it in and just, just went for it. You know, speaking of the album, I love the uh, the video for Diabolical Majesty. And that seemed like the coolest thing, like randomest thing ever like a church skate park or did you guys kind of create that or did you just come upon that since it was a a, a hell theme record i had this idea uh to you know to do a, a music video like in a church and, and give it that that kind of religious iconography setting um but obviously it's hard to convince uh, a regular church to let a, a death metal band play some blasphemous death metal uh, like up on the <laughs> altar there so when we were on tour with cannibal corpse it just kind of fell into our lap i mean we were we were running into a bunch of roadblocks with the whole church idea um you know kind of content it, it, either it was too much money you know they wanted like basically like a wedding rental fee or they were just like there's no way in hell we're gonna let a death metal band play <laughs> at our church um but yeah we were randomly on tour with cannibal corpse and the dude came up to the merch table and just kind of started talking with Brett, uh, Brett, Brett, uh, grew up as a skateboarder and I think they just kind of hit it off and just started talking about skating. And he was like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, a bunch of my friends like bought a church like in town and turned it into a skate park. And, uh, I think his ears perked up and then he, he brought it to my attention. And I'm like, get that guy's number. We got to do something there. So put him in touch with our music video director and everything just kind of worked out. Uh, we actually were able to film three totally different looking videos there because the space was so large. So there was the, the main, uh, you know, skate park, area of the church but they also had this like really creepy basement that we filmed uh, a video in and there was other parts of the church that didn't have any graffiti or uh you know the skate elements that just kind of looked like super dilapidated and and uh, run down and we, we filmed some some content there as well so yeah we got two more videos in the pipeline from that one location so it's nice when you can just like bang a whole bunch of stuff out so stay tuned for more uh visual delights from from the uh, my good eye team they, they did an excellent job this time around 
Where whereabouts is that uh, that church slash skate park? It's in St. Louis. Ah, interesting, interesting. Yep. And uh, you know, certainly got to touch upon this album being dedicated to the late great Trevor Sternad, and I was hoping you could kind of talk about that initial call to get him to to pitch in on the album, and then the last conversation you had with him. Sure. Um, I mean, you know, it's obviously such a tragedy with Trevor's passing. He was a close friend of mine. Yeah, I mean, I, I miss him every day. He's, he was just such a great dude, amazing musician, powerhouse frontman. But, you know, offstage, he was just an excellent dude to hang out with. He always made me laugh. We would hang out and, like, you know, hit a couple bars. And just it was just, like, nonstop goofing around. And he was just one of those guys that was just so full of, like life and, 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 and humor and energy. Um, so he, yeah, he's greatly missed. Um, as far as how the collaboration came together, uh, I mean, the, the song Recrucified, it was inspired by uh, Dante's Inferno. And, you know, that, that book has a very narrative you know, quality to it where he's, he's moving through the different circles of hell and he's interacting with these different sort of demons and, uh, you know, picking up some different like knowledge, uh, you know, along the way as, as he descends through the different nine circles. So I wanted to have kind of different characters in that song. And I mean, you know, for me, like, I can't like, if I think of death metal, like I, I just think of Trevor's voice. I mean, he was such a, he had such a great, unique voice for death metal. His, his lyrics, I think he wrote some of the best lyrics in the game. And he was also just such a champion of death metal as well. I mean, he was one of those dudes where it's like, if I needed to find out about, 10 new bands I could just text Trevor and he would give me this laundry <laughs> list of like new stuff that came out like that month you know I think it just made sense for him to be you know a part of that song and, and even in his vocal performance I think he really kind of embodied the role uh, like he, he, he kind of used a little bit of a different tone of his voice you know in addition to it having that signature Trevor style I feel like he really kind of like I said embodied that that role and um, delivered just a super cool like almost like a theatrical vocal performance on there i mean you know his his vocal performance as well as corpse grinders in the same song i mean those are two huge highlights of the record for me um yeah i mean i just basically you know texted him just hit him up like you know we would just kind of text each other out of the blue and just randomly rap about different stuff and i was like yo i want you to do guest vocals and you know he, he wasn't busy at the time and he he banged it out and um and and then yeah that just you know he's you know immortalized on on this recrucified track and um you know it's, it's obviously bittersweet um but i mean yeah he, he did just such an incredible job and for me i can be uh you know i i feel proud that we're, we're part of his legacy in some small way because uh you know obviously he'll never be forgotten and he'll, he'll live forever through his his art and his music and uh, curious did you get to engineer him or is that one of those things where he just kind of emailed it back to you his parts he, he, I, I think he did it all himself. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think sort of like me, he maybe probably picked up a few different, uh, things during the pandemic, like in terms of like recording himself. I know he had like a microphone and like, a not sure what program he used to record, but, uh, I'm pretty sure he just did it like in his, at his place. And I love that you said about him being such a music fan, and he was. He was a champion for every kind of new death metal and every kind of metal, really. And the other thing that you that I love that you touched upon, too, which I miss, is his laugh. He had the best laugh, I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, He's sorely missed. Um, he was just a, a great, fun dude to be around. One of, one of my favorite people I've met in my, in my years of touring. And, you know, I've met a lot of people. So that's saying something about how, how special of an individual he was. 
like you said too, no no slouch having a corpse grinder on the record as well. I imagine the same kind of process, just text him, hey, I got this part for you, will you do it kind of thing? Exactly, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, George is another one of those guys. He's just become a great friend of the band over the years. We've had the good fortune of doing multiple tours with Cannibal Corpse at this point. Um, you know, we first met him on our European tour. Uh, they, they, were, they took us out on the road. They did like a seven-week, I think, European tour. Uh, and we shared a tour bus with those guys. And yeah, it was just totally unforgettable. Obviously, when, you know, when you're out on the road for that long, you develop like a good bond. And, and that bond has only been strengthened since then. We've done, you know, U.S. tours with them. And so, yeah, it was just sort of a similar thing. We hit him up and said, hey, George, like, you know, we literally want you to be Satan on the record. I mean, that is his part is he is the embodiment of the devil. It felt fitting to, you know, for George to take on that role. And, uh, obviously I think he was stoked to, uh, to do it. And yeah, his, his vocals on that one are just such a powerhouse performance. And he's another one of those vocalists that, um, he truly has his own unique voice. I mean, I can hear one second of corpse grinder and know it's him. It's, mm-hmm. it's brutal, but there's just like a certain bellow to his, <laughs> his voice. It, it's, it's guttural. It's powerful. He enunciates really well. Yeah, I mean, it was honored to, to have him, uh, you know, close out the the album. He's the last bit of vocals you hear on the record. Yeah, and you guys just toured. I saw you guys, but it was earlier this year, right, at the Observatory uh, with Cannibal Corpse and White Chapel. Yep, yep. That was a just an incredible tour. It was great. That was like that. It was like okay, now music is back. <laughs> Felt like once I saw right. that tour. Right. <laughs> any right. any good memories from that one? Too many to count. I mean, it just felt so good to be back on stage uh, after after the um, the extended hiatus that everyone was on. I mean, I think there was it was like twenty nine shows and like twenty six were sold out. I want to say, um, just you know, massive crowds. Like everyone was so hungry. It was really cool for me because I saw a lot of like new faces in the crowd. Um, I mean, I had thought about this during the pandemic. I mean, we all had a lot of time with our own thoughts, obviously. But I was thinking, like, I was kind of worried, like, this, there's going to be a whole generation of kids that are going to miss out on that, like, kind of critical window of being, like, you know, between, like, 15 and, and you know, 18 years old where you're going to see your first concerts. And, and those moments when you're a kid and everything's so new and fresh, like, those can kind of shape who you are for the rest of your life or at least how it pertains to your musical taste. So it was cool to see, like, a lot of like young kids in the audience and you could tell it was probably like their first like big metal show ever. You know, like you'd see like 16 year olds that were in like course paint and stuff like in the front <laughs> row and you're like, hell yeah. So it, it was, it was just really special. Like I felt like a great connection with the audience on that one. Yeah. So, I mean, I think for me, like in addition to like just hanging out, like some of my favorite memories were just like being back up on stage and just, just sharing that energy of the crowd because I was hungry for it too. You know, like, I mean, we were all cooped up. I mean, I, I go to a lot of shows when I'm home from tour. So it, it felt good to kind of share in that, that moment with the, with the audience of like, hell yeah, Death Metal's back. And now you get to stretch out your, uh, your feet, so to speak, a little bit longer playing a headlining set. And we got you here at SoCal uh, September the 29th at 1720 in downtown L.A. Have you figured out how many new tunes are going to be working into the set yet? Yeah, we're gonna we're, we're working on the new set right now. I'm super excited for it. We got like a whole crazy light package that we've programmed out. Like even just like the the interludes between songs uh, are gonna I think really like grab people's attention. So like I'm very very excited. It feels like a a well rounded, well crafted set. It's gonna be a, a true performance. So super stoked to play the new material live. I think we're doing uh, like 
four new tunes live, I want to say. Wow. Um, in addition to a bunch of bangers, you know, from our uh, previous albums. So we got a whole good mix of, of the Revocation catalog. At this point, it's, it's hard to choose songs because we've, we've got so many records out and we want to obviously focus on some of the new stuff. But yeah, there'll be a good mixture of new and old. And yeah, I, I really, for obviously for, for me, I, I can't wait to play the new stuff live. It just, it just feels the freshest. And I think this, the, the new material actually is going to translate really well live as well so I'm, I'm pretty pretty pumped on that well dave man i appreciate all the time last thing i gotta hit you with because we're one of those old school stations we do mandatory metallica uh, every night at 10 p.m which you're going to be a part of i'm kind of curious man for you what's what's your uh, introduction to metallica how did you discover them sure uh i think probably like a lot of people you know my age like just like kind of listening to the radio like i mean there was that time period where like you know the black album was out and that was like all that was being played on, on, on rock radio. So <laughs> I would probably want to say it was like enter Sandman or like, you know, even like unforgiven or something like that. Um, or maybe sad, but true. Like in the, all those songs, like they had so many bangers off that record that just like we're constantly in a rotation on the radio. So probably that record. Um, my favorite record is uh, injustice for all from them. So kind of once I, I dove in more, that was the record that really stood out to me. It's like, it's kind of like, like progressive almost like very epic kind of longer song. Mm-hmm. It's got a ton of mean riffage on there, which, which I love like super aggressive. You can hear they were obviously going through some stuff on that record. And I think they, they captured that, that anger and aggression really well. Um, but it's a very musical record. I don't know this, even the title track is just, it's like, it's kind of, you know, proggy sounding for lack of a better term. Yeah. But, you know, interesting with you being the, the engineer now, were you missing the bass on that album or, or we didn't know that back then that it was missing bass? Right. You know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, you can look back on it and say like, yeah, probably probably would be cool to have a little bit more uh, low end rumble on that on that record. But I don't know, like I, like it just it does have its own sound. Um, I was actually discussing this kind of recently with a few friends of mine, like there was just sort of different records than like people were kind of figuring out as they were going along. I think that led to some like interesting, like just sounding recordings nowadays. I think there's a certain, there's certain sounds and, you know, I think some bands like they kind of have like a similar sound from like record to record, or even just like, depending on like the, the style of the genre, it's like very kind of similar in terms of like the mixes. Yeah. Back in the day, I don't know. They just like you kind of never knew what you were going to get. And every record kind of had its own, sort of like organic feel its own voice to it so even though there's no bass i don't know like the the way everything's eq'd like it just it has like a, a heavy feel to it even without the the bass being super present and i think the guitar tone is like really gnarly on that record it just i don't know it just sounds like just mean <laughs> is there a, a song we could play for you on mandatory metallica what's your favorite metallica tune well you know we did a metallica cover uh on our self-titled record we did uh, dire z so you know why don't we play that one Beautiful. We'll rock that one for you. Beautiful, man. Thank you so much for the time. I appreciate it. Best of luck out there on the road and can't wait to see you in L.A. Thank you so much. Yeah, looking forward to it. Take care. Bye-bye. Dude, you absolutely rock. Thank you so much for checking out the entire interview. Now just hit subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast, Radioactive Mike Z. My interviews in their entirety, available on all the major platforms. Tune in, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever you're listening to right now. Just hit the subscribe button. Make sure to give me a follow on the socials as well. I'll follow you back at MikeZ967. And bro, don't miss the radio show. Now 10 p.m to midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks in the Southern California Inland Empire area, Riverside, San Bernardino County. 
always streaming on live at kcalfm.com. You, my friend, absolutely rock.